Welcome to We Go There. I'm Lexi. And I'm Nikki. And our favorite conversations are when someone starts by saying, this might be TMI, but... But hey, we go there. Because there's no such thing as having too much information when it comes to your health and wellness. We dive deep into topics, interview experts, and get answers you need. Because knowledge is power. And feeling empowered is what we're all about. So let's go there. This is going to be a powerful episode, and I am sitting across from Dr. Jolene Brighton. She's a hormone expert and nutrition scientist, definitely a thought leader in women's health. And if you don't already follow her on Instagram, well, you should because you're missing out. She is uh, certified in naturopathic endocrinology. That's a mouthful. Endocrinology. Basically, she knows all things about all hormones, and we're going to dive into it. It's a fancy word for hormone doctor. Yeah. (laughs) So, like, you've just written another book, another book among your many talents. You've got young children. How old are your kids now? Oh, I just did something fun with my life, and I have a 10 year old and then a 20 month old. Okay. Well, there you go. (laughs) Yes, 20 months. And you were writing a book in the process of also cooking a baby and birthing postpartum. You know what's crazy is that I actually sold this book to the publishers. I closed all my publisher meetings like a week and a half, two weeks before I delivered. Um, Thankfully, my children always come late. um, And thankfully, I had a really good gynecologist who was like, Yeah, yeah, I know you're 40. Uh, but your baby seems fine. And I know you're like five days past your due date. I was a week past my due date. My first one was 10 days past. I just like take longer to make them. Um, so I also, so the other thing is I, I was like, like, I, okay, I feel like an asshole. I'm just going to own this. Then I'm in a conversation with stay at home moms and I didn't really give myself maternity leave with my first. I went back to clinic at six weeks. That's dumb. Don't do that. Anyone do not recommend zero out of 10. And with this next one, I was like, I'm going to arrange my life so I get a maternity leave. And I um, I had four months where I was like not doing interviews. I was not working in my company, wasn't having to do anything except that I was writing a book. And so I was like telling the moms like, oh yeah, like relating to that. And then I just had a moment where I was like, oh my God, I was writing a book like during that. I need to shut up right now. <laughs> I just was like, uh, this moment of like, but I had a baby strapped to me. Um, yeah. I just had a, and I will also say like, um, Microsoft word, you gave me a lot of PTSD in college. I don't like you. We're still not friends, but the fact that word has is on the cloud. I actually wrote parts of this book while breastfeeding, like, and there were lots of edits happening while breastfeeding. Um, Anyhow, all of that is, yes, I had a very small child, was writing this book and um, and then somehow like blinked out on it. Just totally like, yeah, just uh, blacked out on it and was having a conversation with moms like I was not still working. But I wasn't working in the same way, so I thought it was different. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a lot and you've managed it. So congratulations. And we're really excited to just talk about hormones and and you know, your expertise, your other book, I'm looking at it right now is called Beyond the Pill. So I have a lot of questions about the birth control pill too. So we have so much, we, I, I basically put the story up and I asked people to share their questions and we had so many questions, burning questions about hormones. Um, and so I think like in terms of a place to start, um, one of the big ones was um, libido and breastfeeding, which oh, I yeah. think a lot of people know that or at least they find out that their libido often dries up. And I use that term 
on purpose when they are lactating, right? Hormones, prolactin. Um, And so what do you have to say to somebody listening to this going like, oh my God, like I'm not feeling it right now and who's nursing? Yeah. Well, and it can be such a stark contrast to how you were in pregnancy because there's a lot going on down there and the blood is flowing and you're got, you've got a lot of pressure down there and things are swollen and engorged and just the way they move in your pants and your uh brain is like is that sex and your genitals are like it's sex and you're like no I'm just walking right now outside like so it can be such a stark contrast and really alarming but when we think about libido in Is This Normal, I have a whole chapter on it and I break it down. Like, what is sexual desire all about? As it turns out for women, it's super complex, much like our hormones. And so it is related to hormones. We always go to testosterone first, but we can't forget that cortisol will literally shut down the system as well. If you're nervous system is stressed. If your nervous system is overstimulated, hello, touched out, holding a baby all day, especially like you were talking about breastfeeding, um, that's going to leave you touched out. And so sometimes when those sexy signals come in, your brain can't even, they can't even get that. It can't get through. But not to mention that there are some things that can be major breaks to everyone's libido, whether or not you've ever had a baby, um, in relationship dynamics. And I think, you know, I saw this, uh, TikTok like romance author, like breaking down the tropes she hates. I just happened to see this last night. I do not understand this world romance book talk the way that I want to now. Um, but she was just talking about how like, oh, this trope of like, oh, you get pregnant, you have a baby, it like fixes everything about your relationship. I'm like, what in the toxic, what is happening in these books? Like, no, because a baby will really like turn up the lights on everything that was teetering on, you know, not functioning. I don't want to say like dysfunctional as much as it's just like the dance of cohabitating with a human. Um, And so not feeling supported by your partner, not getting the, you know, not getting the self-care time that you need, feeling like you are the only one, because I hate to break it to you, if you're listening to this and you are pregnant, you will be the only one primarily caring for that baby when you're breastfeeding because... That's, I mean, this is just how we evolved. And this is, this is just something like we don't talk about. But if you're not feeling supported, you don't have the time to like even get a moment to yourself. Um, these things are definitely going to negatively impact your libido. So we've got the hormonal component of like your hormones rapidly shifted. You just went through like the most intense athletic event of your life. And that is bringing a baby into this world. And I don't care what anyone says, whether it passed through your vagina or you had to have a C-section, that was hard. That was a lot of work. And you should congratulate yourself through going through it for going through it. And um, yeah, getting to the other side. And yet your body needs this time to recover. Your body needs time to heal. And in that, your body looks really different. Um, I'm 20 months postpartum with my second. My first was born at 31. Um, I had my second at 40. And yesterday I was like making jokes in the kitchen about my puckered belly button and like how the skin around my belly button is like puckered. And my husband's like, is that like, I don't want to be rude. Is that going to go back? Or like, what happens? I'm like, I don't know. Um, my collagen synthesis is on the decline, sir. So oh. all the vitamin C and collagen in the world. And like, the skin just might not totally go back. But at the end of the day, I mean, I knew what I was getting into. And I was also like, I get to have a baby. And I get to like have like 
Thanksgiving dinners 10 years from now that are like amazing. So, um, but in that, our body image is a huge deterrent, not only to our sexual desires, the way we see our body. If we have negative body image, which a lot of us do, because like, I mean, am I going to unpack our lifetime of like just being hit by marketing alone? Um, So that negative body image, that can put anybody out of the mood. So we're not going to feel any stirrings of desire. In addition to that, you you find yourself, you could be spectatoring more when you do have sex. So you're wondering like, is he noticing uh, the dimples on my butt? Are they noticing like how my breasts are pendulous now and hanging as they usually are after you have a baby? Like these kinds of things that are totally normal, that are amazing things that our body is capable of doing, and yet when we start spectating, so we're watching ourselves in this moment, we now are out. We we are out. We're like, I'm not in the mood. And we also start to lose arousal. So now the clitoris is less engorged. We are lubricating less. And we can't get to orgasm because you have to be mindful and you have to be with it to be able to orgasm. So there's that aspect of what happens after a baby. So we've talked about like there can be the hormone changes. There's the relationship changes. There's your body changes. And then there is like this whole other piece of uh, just like life is so different, right? Like life is so different after a baby, including down there. And so things down there might not feel the same. I will say I have a lot of patients who report that sex actually gets better after baby because of how tissues have changed. However, pain with sex is very common. One in three women have experienced pain with sex in their lifetime. And this can happen postpartum. Um, If your doctor gave you a husband stitch, I'm sorry. And I also like wish they didn't exist. Um, The husband stitch for people who don't know is when the doctor's like, oh, I'm going to put an extra stitch in there. So it's more pleasurable for your husband. Like, how do you have a medical license? Because one, that's you didn't, she didn't consent to that. Two, there's no evidence that it actually is. And three, it usually results in painful sex, which means nobody's getting some. And so whether or not it's the husband stitch, whether or not there was a tear, like just healing, there can be pain. And I bring this up because I I have a chapter called Sex of All Kinds. It starts with pain with sex because we're starting with vaginal sex. And that is usually when I say sex, everybody's like, oh yeah, like penis and vagina. Like that's what we mean. There's actually lots of kinds of sex. But I started there in the chapter because pain in women is dismissed at such a high rate. Pain with sex, absolutely. And if you have pain with sex, you're not ever going to be in the mood. You're not going to be able to have an orgasm. You're not going to be aroused. And in addition to that, like we, we can see that you can build up basically neuronal pathways that you te- you trained your body to not want sex yeah, because nobody not. wants pain. So this is all to say, you're not broken. There's nothing about you that's broken. All of these areas need to be discussed, addressed, supported, and you may need help from a provider. You may need more lube because of your hormones. You may need to go slow. You may need to like try toys. You may need to do different things, but nothing about needing to go a different direction or course correct means that you're broken or anything's wrong with you. You, It's very, very normal to have low libido. And the last thing I'll say, because I've been talking for a while, is that 
Your body only gets you in the mood so that you make a baby. Your body's like, been there, done that. I need a minute now to heal and recover. So understand that while your partner may be ready to go, if you're not ready to go, it's time to have some conversations with your partner. Um, that because sometimes we need more time. With my first child, I healed pretty quickly. I'm going to go a little TMI here. My husband's not going to hear this episode, but I healed pretty quickly. And at six months, I was like, yeah, or six months, six weeks, I was like, yeah, sure. With the second one, I had he came in four hours. Like, who does that? Who does that track? My first one, 24 hours. Second one, four hours. And I had a tear and it hurt for a long time. And it took like a good four months for that tissue to heal. And I could see that if I didn't know what I knew, I would think that something was wrong with me because I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not interested in this. Yeah. That's a really important point. I think there's a lot of shame around pain with sex, dyspareunia in the pelvic health world. We talk about it a lot with colleagues of mine, pelvic floor physiotherapists. And I think it's also important to normalize it and take the pressure off because we get cleared, as you know, at the six-week postpartum, and I'm going to say check mm-hmm. up the air quotes, <laughs> and it's like, yeah. oh, you can resume all former activity, sexual intercourse, as well as exercise, so on and so forth. And there's yeah. really no guidance. And so I, I love to hear you talk about the fact that you need to have a conversation with your partner and give yourself time. And and you know, for some people, my at least myself... I didn't really start to feel any desire again until I got my cycle back. And I was like, oh, I'm Mm -hmm. ovulating. Yeah, this makes sense, you know. But, you know, it took me, again, if we're sharing, it took me with my first, I was, as soon, I basically, as long as I'm nursing, I don't get a cycle back. So it it wasn't until I stopped breastfeeding. And and for the first, that was 10 months. The second one was like almost two years that took me to get a period back. So it was like two years of like, eh. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not feeling it. So again, it's like, and that wasn't, you know, it can also be like just, it can be body image. I love you talked on that, but it can also be totally hormonal as well, right? This episode of the We Go There podcast is brought to you by The Bell Method, a fitness company that blends Pilates with pelvic health, creating choreography from science. You might feel overwhelmed at all the abs after baby programs promising to make you bounce back after birth. Or maybe you're feeling unsure of how to exercise in pregnancy and prepare your body for delivery. It can be tough to navigate what information is credible and evidence-based. Women deserve better. I created all of our programs with the guidance of pelvic health physiotherapists, and we continue to evolve our programming to stay current with the latest research. At The Bell Method, we ditch guilt and bring balance to our bodies with programs designed to fit your life stage. We'll help you reduce incontinence, diastasis recti, and prolapse so you feel strong, confident, and empowered throughout pregnancy, postpartum, and beyond. I invite you to enjoy 10% off your first class session with the code WEGOTHERE10. Visit www.thebellmethod.com for more. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're not sleeping, then why are you like, you do not have energy for that. Right. Um, it's so like, so a question I often get is like, is it normal if I don't have my period breastfeeding? And like, if I go two years and it is normal, what's interesting is that I didn't get my period back with my first until I night weaned and we, we tapered things down and then my period came back about a year. And with this one, um, I was breastfeeding like this one like tries to eat all the time. He's even 20 months and he's still like, hey, and I'm yeah. like, no, like, like there's certain times, yes, but like I don't 
you do not need to hang on me all day, child. Um, I get it though. Like that's very comforting. But anyhow, um, it was around six months that I was like, I think I see fertile circle mucus and like, oh my gosh, my husband's looking really good. And I'm like, oh, I think I'm going to ovulate. And then silly me goes to Thanksgiving dinner with everybody and brings no pads, tampons, nothing. And uh, yeah, of course I've got to like bleed through my dress during Thanksgiving because like, yeah. Oh my God. I have a funny story about that too. Oh my God. This is so funny (laughs) that we're talking about this. This is like a whole topic of like the first time you get your period back. Surprise. It's like you're 13 again. Um, Prepared. (laughs) But um, I was away for the first time. I went to New York for work and I was away for the first night I was away ever from my yeah. baby who had just turned two. I know it seems crazy that it took this long. And I like wake up and it's like a shark attack in the hotel bed. And, yeah. <laughs> but it's I've like, it's like your body happen. knew. My body knew. It's like, oh, your baby's not with you anymore. Time to make a new one. <laughs> my gosh, though, like I have, I've had that happen in hotel rooms. And I will just say like, I just, like, does, is anybody confident enough to not dodge the house cleaner after that? Where you're like, I don't want you to see me. I know, I'm so I sorry. Because I just made your job harder. Like, oh, I know, sorry. it's terrible, oh, terrible. <laughs> yeah, so I'm glad. So it can range, basically. So what would you say to someone going, well, what's normal? Like, oh my gosh, Nikki's saying it took her two years with one kid. Yeah. And then some people are like, I'm nursing and I got it back at six weeks postpartum. Yeah, I know. That's not fair. I'm oh, just going to say it. Like you, you just stop. Like you're like, oh, finally, I'm not wearing my adult diapers. Um, And then your period comes and you're like, what in the trickery? Like water. So that's normal. And then for the time that you're exclusively breastfeeding, it's also normal. Um, Some women will exclusively breastfeed and they will be breastfeeding for three years. You can draw their pro- prolactin and their prolactin levels are up. Prolactin will stop you from cycling at high enough amounts. It's why when you stop cycling, we got to check your prolactin when, um, you know, you, uh, and I will also say with that, uh, if you are not cycling and your prolactin is up and you are not breastfeeding, your doctor needs to check your thyroid because the same mechanism in the brain that causes TSH to rise in response to low thyroid hormone causes prolactin to go up. And that's one of the reasons that a period can go missing because of hypothyroidism. Um, you also need thyroid hormone to mature follicles and to have, healthy follicles also impacting your fertility. But um, all of that is normal to have that in the range. I mean, I have known patients that have breastfed until four. Oh, wow. And yeah, I know that seems like a long time for us. Um, I come from a really big Hispanic family. So breastfeeding, like I will say that like of all the things like breastfeeding, I was like, I can do this. Like I I totally feel confident. I can do yeah, it. Yeah. And so many of my patients were like, oh, I feel so uh, insecure about breastfeeding. It's so hard. And all, and like, like any new skill, there is a learning curve. Um, and I realized like the reason why I felt so confident is because breastfeeding was just something that was very normal. I saw it happening so much. And so it was just normal, like part of my life. Um, and so yeah, there's lots of countries, lots of places where people breastfeed four to five years old. There's possibly some benefit in terms of immune health for that. The way I see breastfeeding though, is that that decision to breastfeed and not that exists between mama and baby. And it's nobody's business to get between, um, for the people who are like, what about the game of Thrones when he was like a preteen? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like we've gone too far. Like we've gone too far. And there was a reason why that was like, yeah, that was like, something's not right here. Everybody like something was not right in every episode of game of Thrones. That was just, and that was probably the most benign. 
Oh my god, yeah, it's true. I actually, I have not watched it. I'm like one of the few people, but I I have watched like one or two, so I, I have a, a sense of what you're referring to. Yeah, um, if you want to incur some trauma, like, yeah, oh exactly. <laughs> I want to talk about the whole like postpartum um, hair loss, which is a big one, uh, the worst, yeah. <laughs> no, but a lot of it as well. Like, how do you know when it might be linked to thyroid issues? Because thyroid issues, my understanding mm-hmm. is can really pop up in postpartum. Absolutely. I think it would be useful for listeners to kind of go like, kind of do like a self-check. Like, do I potentially, are my symptoms related to the fact that I'm just tired all the time because I've got this kid Mm -hmm. that's not sleeping, blah, blah, blah. Or do they need to maybe go get some testing? Oh, mamas, do I know this? So I develop postpartum thyroiditis, which is an autoimmune condition that gets triggered by having a baby. Let me just say this, autoimmune conditions, if you have one, it does generally get worse. Most of them get better during pregnancy. It gets worse postpartum. Um, Graves disease is the exception that will get worse in pregnancy. And that has to do with your immune system. So we all know, so people will often say like your immune system gets turned off during pregnancy. No, it's not like that. You still have an immune system. It just shifts so that um, it doesn't seek out and destroy not you tissue. That's your immune system's job. If it's not you, then it needs to die. It's got to go. And so I want that because we have a baby and that baby is genetically unique. And so your immune system, your body being really smart will shift into a state of TH2 dominance, which is one aspect of your immune system. Mostly we see that with allergies, asthma, eczema, believed developed for parasites. And then when we are postpartum, so once we deliver the baby, the placenta goes, and with the placenta goes all those wonderful hormones. Wah, wah. I mean, like, every time I look at my placenta, I was like, thank you, bestie. I wish we wouldn't have to like end this. Like you're just <laughs> so good to me. Um, and so with that, your immune system now gonna make the shift, which is excellent, right? Because now if we've got viruses, bacteria, we need to make antibodies and get them into the breast milk so that we can protect that baby. So all of this is really brilliant. We just live in a modern age that's really messed up. And so we sometimes get autoimmunity. And what postpartum thyroiditis is, is autoimmunity against the thyroid that can result in thyroid destruction. And with postpartum thyroiditis, there's a percentage that um, within a year, uh, that'll resolve itself. They may need medication in the meantime, but about, you know, there's a good portion that are, so about 50% who will get it again um, the next time they have a baby. And at that point, they're going to go past 12 months and be diagnosed with Hashimoto's. So if people are familiar with Hashimoto's thyroiditis, that's the autoimmune condition that most predominantly affects women. So how does this show up postpartum? It shows up in the exact way that doctors love to dismiss any complaints you have as a new mom. Oh, you're you're a new mom. You're tired. You're supposed to be tired. Oh, you can't gain the baby weight. That's normal. And also you're probably getting old. Like you mean um, lose the baby weight? Feeling- you said gain yeah. the baby weight. You mean lose the baby weight? I can't. Yeah, lose the baby <laughs> Just weight. Just to clarify. Sorry. Okay. okay. <laughs> yes, thank you. Oh, um, man. So, so I'm just like giggling. I'm going to just confess. This is podcast number five of the day. <laughs> so <laughs> you correct me if I get that wrong. Yeah, so you can't lose the baby weight, which like it's six months postpartum. That's normal to still have like the you know, weight on that you gained, your, especially if you're breastfeeding. But um, and then the other thing, you know, that we can see is that that the hair loss is happening during that time. So postpartum thyroiditis, in some people, it's going to show up first as hyperthyroidism. So you are losing the baby weight. You're really anxious. You're like super like 
you know, energetic, you're uh, sweaty all the time, which are like where a lot of us are sweaty postpartum, but you're sweaty like all the time. Your heart is racing. And then we move into the hypothyroidism phase. Now, this is where a lot of women actually get diagnosed with postpartum depression because postpartum thyroiditis, the autoimmunity um, to causing the hypothyroidism, that comes up around four to six months, sometimes as late as eight months postpartum. And so with that, that's when we're usually seeing postpartum depression. And we'll see women sometimes put into therapy or given medications, but a good psychiatrist will usually test for the thyroid, but you might not get to a psychiatrist. You might have your gynecologist giving you over to the PCP and then they're just like, here's an SSRI. So if you are depressed, if you feel like, you know, the, the baby weight that you gained, like something seems off with that, pay attention to it, but also know that like, we don't recommend trying to lose weight until a year or postpartum. Really, like the most important thing is like, it's everything you do, <laughs> exactly everything you do. Of like, get make your pelvic floor remember yeah, how yeah. amazing it is to support your body and like take like those kinds of things that the structural stuff that's way more important than the totally. scale function, stuff. Baby function, um, function first. Yeah. So hair loss that's going to come up around the same time. But if you are feeling like your breast milk supply is dropping, so your milk supply is dropping, you're struggling to continue breastfeeding. If you're noticing your skin is really dry, you're getting constipated. And maybe you're not even like, so constipation is like you're you're missing days. You're going consecutive days, not pooping. This might be, I just have like hard stools or it's getting more difficult um, for me to pass stool. You're really tired. This is not just like, oh, I like, you know, my baby only slept like so many hours and I'm tired. This is like, I am falling asleep places tired in a lot of instances. For me, I fell asleep at the dinner table, like just laid out, fell asleep at the dinner table. And it was only once my husband was like, okay, wait a minute, here's everything that's going on. Um, One of the things that I brought up to my provider and I was like, could this be thyroid disease? And they were like, no, you're just a mom. But I'm like, when I get out of bed in the morning, my feet are killing me. They're like searing pain. Like they touch the floor. I'm in so much pain. I can't type at the end of the day. My hands hurt so bad. That is because thyroid hormone is linked to healing these muscles. So postural muscles, muscles that are being engaged all the time, need this hormone to heal and repair. If you've got carpal tunnel syndrome, if you've got heartburn, like these kinds of things, a lot of providers are like, here, here's a proton pump inhibitor. Oh, maybe you need a wrist brace for PT. Okay. They time out. I have a question. Sense. I have a question. Yeah, one yeah. of the, one of the things I'm like, wait, ah, there's so many you things. You just got so excited. <laughs> um, so so many of our students complain of wrist pain and it's labeled mother's yeah. thumb, right? De veins, we call yeah. it. Um, named after the guy who, you know, discovered it's it. It's all named after guys. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> but basically, de veins tendocinosis is, I believe, what it's called, also known as mother's thumb, carpal tunnel from holding babies. So, of course, yeah. I actually shared this with our students. I've done posts at the Bell Method Instagram on how do you you know, stretch and and really kind of rehab this area. But now this is the first time I'm hearing that it could be linked to thyroid function. Absolutely. Really a big interesting thing. And so I think there's gonna for sure be a couple of people listening going, um, okay, so it's more extremes. I'm just gonna list these and just to summarize and please correct me or add anything I missed. So we're talking about hair loss. We're talking about ex- like extreme fatigue. You're falling asleep at the dinner table. We're talking dry skin, constipation, going consecutive days without going to the bathroom, 
Um, we're talking about like your feet and your wrists and hands being particularly achy, right? Yeah, joint pain in general. I want to clarify too, something you can look for yourself is the lateral third of your eyebrows disappearing. I actually look back at a photo of me walking in the park with a baby strapped to my chest with my son and took a little selfie. Uh, I look back at it and I'm like, where are my eyebrows? Oh my gosh, how was my doctor gaslighting me when the lateral third of my eyebrows is gone? That's a sign of hypothyroidism. Um, And actually, I don't think, I don't know if I shared this on Instagram, but on TikTok, um, I did a video like when I woke up first thing in the morning. I am not always going to put on my makeup to tell people important information top of mind. Uh, And I also think we should just normalize looking like normal people. My my eyebrows have still not totally like well they never will they'll never come totally back to where they were but somebody thought that it was really cute to make fun of me and be like oh look at your like sperm eyebrows which oh, is oh, yes. pretty clever they are kind of like sperm I've been told um, I have this too don't worry I got microblading <laughs> though so you know that helped yeah. Well, anyhow, so they're like, they're like, oh, ha ha ha, because you overplucked in the 90s. No, and no. I laughed and was like, fun fact, I had hypothyroidism and I lost the lateral third of my eyebrows. So I actually have a chronic disease that you're making fun of me for on the internet. But like, more importantly, it's a great teaching moment. Yeah. Of like, if you see people missing that, don't be like, oh, in the 90s, you went too far. You like, we, well, we might have a thyroid problem. Lexi here. Okay, so let's shift to another under-the-radar, not-so-hot topic for a minute. Body hair. Everyone's got it, but a lot of us want to live smoother. Am I right? Ten years ago, I started Wax On Laser and Wax Bar. Wax On isn't just any waxing and laser hair removal bar. We are the industry leader creating a safe space that inspires people to live confidently in their own skin. Over the years, we've developed trust. Trust that you know you're getting the best quality and comfortable experience every single time. Whatever you come to Wax On for, it's going to be awesome. We've created our own exclusive gold wax formula that's like no other. It's as pain-free and long-lasting as it gets, perfect for all your waxing needs. At Wax On, we've invested in top-the-line laser technology that's effective on virtually any hair and skin tone for effective results on every body. Seriously. And we carry a carefully curated collection of products. Some we make ourselves, locally I might add, and some are from brands we've fallen in love with that adhere to our values and standards of clean, good for you, and female founded. If you haven't experienced Wax On, I invite you to enjoy 20% off your first service with code WEGOTHERE. Visit waxon.ca or download the mobile app to book in with code WEGOTHERE because there is such a thing as a better hair removal experience to help you live smoother. And and this is really because we've interviewed so many mental health professionals, um, you know, about about PPA, PPD, like postpartum, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of that. Not one person has mentioned thyroid. And so that's interesting because that's not been my, uh, I have come across a lot of psychiatrists that I've collaborated with who will actually send me patients. Um, If you don't respond to an SSRI, your psychiatrist is going to start thinking about thyroid, but I have uh, a lot of postpartum psychiatrists, the perinatal psychiatrists who I've collaborated with, who are like, can you please take this patient? Because I think they have a thyroid issue. And I think that's what actually needs to be managed here. Not, not a medication. So So why not rule that out before? going on an SSRA? Like why not, not, you well, know, so in the, yeah, no, that's a great question. Like why not 
find the root cause of anything before starting a medication. <laughs> so that's a great question itself, but um, that's in the general population. I think um, a lot of times who are women going to, they're going to their gynecologist, their gynecologist, your average gynecologist is not going to know much about the thyroid at all. Um, I will use, so I, in my pregnancy, I'm just going to use this example, but um, in my pregnancy, I always have a TSH that dips out. It looks hyperthyroid. So it looks like she has hyperthyroidism. Um, beta HCG is a weak stimulant of the thyroid because thyroid hormone is that important in pregnancy. But I always get a full thyroid panel, which is a TSH, free T4, and free T3. And then I check my TPO antibodies throughout pregnancy. Everybody, if you have Hashimoto's, you should be doing that. And if you have Hashimoto's, you should have a maternal fetal medicine specialist who understands thyroid disease on your team. Because come the third trimester, if you have TPO antibodies, baby's thyroid needs to be looked at via ultrasound to make sure the antibodies aren't causing problems for them. You don't want your baby born hypothyroid. It is very, very dangerous. So um, with all of that, my thyroid, like I run this full panel and like my T4 is around one, my free T3, like this last pregnancy, my free T3, you want it to be about three, 3.2, maybe uh, 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 the capping off at 3.4. Mine was down at like 2.3 to 2.4. Like it just kept staying really low. And I'm like, and that just sucks because that's your mood metabolism. Um, if you're not pure pregnant, it's your menstrual cycle as well. It's gut motility. It's so many things. It's the active thyroid hormone. But I never felt like terrible. And I'm like, I'm not going to just treat based on labs. Um, and my providers agreed, but my gynecologist saw it. And she was like, no, based on this alone, you need to drop your thyroid hormone medication. And I'm like, okay, but if I drop the dosage of my thyroid medication, then that's going to put me at risk of preeclampsia and I'm 40 years old or preterm labor or like the list goes on. And so what do we think about these risks? And she's like, no, because you're hyperthyroid. And I'm like, but I'm not hyperthyroid as evidenced by the T4 and the T3. Like, and she's like, <laughs> okay. no, based on the TSH alone. Some people are going to so be like, what is she talking about? So here's, I have a question for you because like, yeah, yeah, yeah. not everybody here is going to know what those things are. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh so, my God. So that's thyroid, so yeah. <laughs> TSH is, stands for thyroid stimulating hormone. My experience have been, and I think it's important to talk about this, that if you ask ask for a thyroid, at least here in Canada, by your GP, your general practitioner, they will just offer you a TSH panel. They don't go yes. into T3 and T4. But my understanding is, and I'd love to learn more about this, is that it's very important that you get a full panel done and not rely mm -hmm. just on TSH. And so I'll, give, I'll share a quick story and then I'd love to learn more about the, the importance of getting these other metrics than just relying yeah. on TSH. So I went through IVF. It wasn't anything they could find on my end. We had some other issues um, through my husband. Long story short, everything that I, they could tell on me was quote unquote normal, right? Like LH surge happens, you know, you're, you're ovulating normally, cycles, whatever. They did an, a TSH. They just did TSH and they were like, oh, you're at, I think it was at like 3.5. And my mm -hmm, doctor too said- high. Too high. So meaning my thyroid was too slow. And so my doctor said, Oh, we'll just Well, I mean, like it's not that your thyroid conception. is necessarily too slow. I that's know, but like cool. it's that yeah. I mean, it, like that's okay. That is where we need to get into the specifics of T4 and yes. T3 and talk about all that. But okay, okay. <laughs> so so the point that I'm sharing this, and then it was, she was like quick to say, Oh, just go on Synthroid. And I was like, yeah. Well, no, I don't want to. Like, it's not 
That's not that because because the normal range, quote unquote, I think is up to five of TSH, right? Which is so, not normal. <laughs> which is not normal. But you're a naturopathic doctor. You're not like that. You're going to get a different. I wanted to bring up this point because depending on your provider, if you go to your your family doctor or whatnot, you're going to be told, oh, it's normal. Like she was already like, yeah, it's a little bit, you know. But most of people would say, oh, that's kind of normal. But the the boundaries for optimal conception and vitality are going to be smaller than what's considered mm-hmm. quote unquote normal. So I'd love, first of all, for you to talk a little bit about, because I had some questions from people asking, well, how do I get my hormones tested? What do I do? And if you have a resource, we can put this in the show notes for people. Um, but like, they're like, where do I even start? You know, what do I have to add yeah. for in terms of tests? Well, I do have a article on drbrighton.com, which is hormone testing and what, when you should test those, right? Because doctors will be like, I'm not going to test your hormones. They fluctuate throughout your cycle. And you're like, duh. Um, That's why we test certain days of the cycle for certain hormones. Like, I can't even tell you how many times I hear a doctor say that. And then they tested progesterone when she was on her period. And I'm like, but you only get progesterone if you ovulate, friend. So you need to test that five to seven days post ovulation, which anyone going through IVF and going through fertility treatment is very familiar with these days that you test. And um, yeah, but if you're anyone else, they're just, they're like, do you want a baby? You say no. They're like, all right, like you want the pill? Like that's, that's it. It's like end of discussion. So With a TSH, what's crazy, okay, let me back this up and first say the reference ranges are based on a sick population and often elderly population because it's who's getting their blood drawn. Well, who does the doctor send to get their blood drawn to test for thyroid hormone? Somebody who already exhibits symptoms of that. And so you will sometimes see lab reference ranges that go to 10, depending on the area. You will see doctors, so you'll see like sometimes old school endocrinologists are like, oh, if it's not 15, you're fine. And then you will see uh, newer endocrinologists that are like, yeah, no, if you're getting up to four, I'm not okay with that. If you have symptoms, I'm not okay with that. And then you see that if you work with someone like myself or a reproductive endocrinologist, so I'm a board-certified naturopathic endocrinologist, if you work with a reproductive endocrinologist, if you work with people like that, we're looking at that like 2.5, 2.5 being the cutoff. And most people start to have issues. Now, does that mean that if you go above 2.5, you automatically should get on a medication? Not necessarily. We want to figure out what is going on and what could be the cause because it could be stress-related. We could be um, nutrition-related. It could be environmental toxin exposure-related. Like It could be other things. And we also just want to retest and be like, are we sure? Now, the caveat is, If you are pregnant or you're trying to conceive, we want to get you started on Synthroid. Now, the reason why we want to start you on Synthroid is because we want to get that TSH below that 2.5 and we want to make sure baby has T4. Synthroid is what crosses the placenta. So I'm telling you here that like my T3 and I wanted to feel good, but my T4 is all I wanted for baby to be right because that is what crosses the placenta and that is what's going to help with behavioral or not behavioral, but more like cognitive development, motor skills, things like that. They've done studies where they follow cohorts of women who are hypothyroid and their children are significantly behind their cohort by 16 years of age. Like throughout their entire lifetime is what we're looking at, that your baby's motor skills and cognitive development will be behind their cohort because it's so essential. So that is why like if you're going to be pregnant or you are pregnant, we're jumping to Synthroid. And people, I get patients who are like, I don't want to be on a medication. And I'm like, let me break it down and explain it to you because this isn't about you. This is about what your baby needs right now. And 
you might not need this when you're done being pregnant. Or second trimester, when baby's thyroid kicks on, you may not need it. But if you do need it and you're not on it, one, we can see an increased risk of miscarriages. So if you are able to carry to term, there can be issues with baby. However, there can also be issues with preeclampsia, preterm labor, labor um, and increased risk of miscarriage. So we want to avoid all of those things. And if it's taking 25 micrograms of a tiny little pill every day to avoid all of that, it's a pretty easy call. But I'm with you that before pregnancy, we want to ask why. Why are you hypothyroid? And that's where we can, that's where these other tests. So TSH is what the brain says to the thyroid. And that's it. It's just a brain hormone talking to the thyroid. And it indirectly tells us about how the thyroid's responding. We test T4 and free T4 will tell us, okay, how does the thyroid actually respond? Does it make the hormone you need? But you have to convert it to T3. So you might have enough T4, but let's say that you're not exercising or you're really inflamed or you're sick, like you will not make that conversion to T3, which may sound like, oh God, that's so horrible. But sometimes we have to ask the question, do we have an infection? Do we have something else going on here? Because if the body doesn't want you to have T3, it may be because it's trying to pump the brakes on you. That's when we'll like order a reverse T3 because if you're going into reverse T3, that tells us like, okay, your body's like, shut it down. I am, I am overwhelmed. I am stressed out. I am going to make you hibernate. That's what reverse T3 is. You go to bed, you gain weight, you stay home, be cranky like a bear, just stay home and like, do not leave until we've healed from this kind of thing. So those are the those are the thyroid tests that we look at. TPO and thyroglobulin antibodies, those are the markers for Hashimoto's. And it's the number one cause of hypothyroidism. And we want to check it because TPO antibodies being elevated are also associated with all kinds of bad stuff in pregnancy, including miscarriage. That's This is really so, important info. Like that I don't know if everyone's getting. So this is this is powerful. So I'm going to ask you to give me the link to the show notes where we can share um, some of the tests that, that you have. I think you said it was in an article on your website. Yes. So I have an article on hormone testing and then I have an article, I believe the article is getting pregnant with hypothyroidism okay. where I give the reference ranges of what you're looking at. And so um, how I practice with reference ranges is closer to how reproductive endocrinologists, the people who are doing infertility cases who are helping with IVF, how they're looking at numbers as well. It's also how functional medicine providers are going to look at things. And what are we looking for? Optimal. That is what we're going for is optimal. Whereas getting the TSH up to five, like that is, you're already suboptimal. Does it mean you have to jump to a medication? Sometimes, but not always. And that's where an individual discussion is really, really important. You get asked so many questions. And so what I'm curious about, would you say if you had to, to name like the top two questions that you get asked, you know, on social media because you're very active on social media. So I'm just curious because I know what questions I'm asked all the time, but I'm curious to know what yours are. I, so I like have been running Ask Dr. Brighton since like 2018. Once a week, I answer all of these questions. I'm actually going to throw them all up on YouTube because I'm like, why have I not done that? So that they're searchable. Um, what's funny is it just depends on the context. Libido is definitely like a huge question that I'm asked about all the time. Um, that is a really big one. If I remind people that it's anonymous and they're allowed to make it spicy, they're like, asked all kinds of things all like it just is like it's in the book 
it's in the book. The first half of the book uh, is your sexual self. And uh, you will see all those Ask Dr. Brighton questions in there. Um, and then there's the questions about like, you know, a lot of is this normal around the menstrual cycle of like, is it normal to have PMS? Is it normal that I have heavy periods? Is it normal that I have painful periods? A lot of perimenopause is all of are all of these symptoms normal. And then all the thyroid stuff we talked about as well. And it's the thing about being a hormone doc is that there's so many areas to talk about and so many things people ask. Um, but I will definitely say if we were breaking out the sexual self, everybody wants to know all that libido information. They also want to know about orgasms and like, why is it, how do you have an orgasm like consistently? And why is it so hard to have an orgasm sometimes? And why is it that like, you know, it seems like everybody's having orgasms, but me. Um, and then the next portion of the book is your cyclical self. And that's where I get into all of the hormone stuff. And as you go through the hormone quiz that's in there to figure out which hormone balance you have, you're going to see all, these are all things that like come up that people ask me. Uh, it's great. No, I, the, I mean, sex is always, a, I don't know, we, we get a lot of those questions too. <laughs> the yeah. queefing, is it normal? My pelvic floor, you know, and I'm like, we have a whole episode on it. We talked about this before we started recording. Um, but you've yeah. done so much good work. Um, so thank you on behalf of women everywhere for creating such amazing books and being such a, a resource of information. Um, it's a lot of work to write a book and it is a, you know, like a lot of work and you're, you're giving away quite a lot of amazing information that everybody, frankly, needs to read. So thank you for that. Um, tell us where it's all available and everything. You can buy the book anywhere that books are sold. And just so everybody knows, it is a giant, massive resource in which we had to make the difficult decision of cutting out the meal plan and recipe guide. So uh, I really, as somebody like, you know, as a nutritionist, I'm like, wait a minute, like people need a framework just to get started in this program. So we made the difficult decision. My editor's like, no, it's got to go because nothing, I will cut nothing else out from this book. So I decided let's just package it up and make it available to you. So when you buy Is This Normal, if you go to drbrighton.com slash ITN dash resources, you can actually grab the meal plan, the recipes, and a ton of other stuff that didn't make it into the book. Oh my God, um, amazing. Yeah. I was like, well, we're not going to make it in. And I wrote it and we did it. Like, let's give it to people. I also just think that the meal plan takes you week by week through your cycle and has you eating in a way to support your hormones. It'll make a lot more sense when you are in the program. So you definitely want to get the book and like go through the program with it um, and how you really integrate. I mean, there's so many people talking about like food with your hormones and Seed you know, all these different aspects. Yes, there's some seed cycling in there. Um, I have lots of recipes that are very unique. Like we're not just putting it on oatmeal, friends. Uh, so with that though, I really tried to marry like the nutrition, the lifestyle, the supplements, the sexual health, and what is happening with your hormones week by week throughout of your throughout your cycle, so that you can really understand what's normal for you. Yeah, and that's I love that. I, is this normal? It's such a good title because one of the things that we talk about, I hear often with, as it relates to pelvic health, peeing your pants is like, oh, it's common, but not normal. Oh God. Oh and God. I, Actually, I don't, I'm- <laughs> Love it. I don't love it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised that this did not, Um, I like, I have to tell you that I was, um, a couple of things. I'm surprised this didn't come up, but I was on a hike when I was pregnant and every mom was like, wait till you deliver and you'll yeah. be peeing your pants. And they, there's like 
25 of us on a hike and um that like everybody's ta- telling all these stories and I was like can I tell you all something that like obviously no one's told you and it might just like piss you all off I don't know I might piss you off and they're like what I'm like it's not that's not normal none of that is normal peeing when you sneeze peeing when you cough like all of that and like so you will see in the book how many times I recommend pelvic floor therapy good <laughs> amazing like every chapter is like pelvic floor therapy um but I was sharing the other day that um so anybody who knows Miss Rachel uh Miss Rachel if you're listening you should come hang out with us because I'm a fan uh so this is do you know Miss Rachel no how do you have children? Oh my goodness. Uh, so Miss Rachel, really educational. My mother-in-law is a speech pathologist and she's like, Miss Rachel is like, she's a jam in terms of great educational stuff on YouTube. Um, and she has this hop little bunnies song. And I was hopping with my toddler for like 20 minutes. And I had drank about like, I think this was my Mason jar. So about 32 ounces of water prior to this. Oh. And my bladder was super full and I kept hopping and I was like, I can't like, I've got to go to the bathroom now or I'm going to pee my pants. And then I ran to the bathroom and had this moment where I was like, but you didn't pee your pants. Like, that was like a major stress test. Like I just like perform my own stress yes. tests on my body. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to have to go look up Miss Rachel too and, and do the whole test as well. This is like a YouTube People need to kids. comment below. Yeah. Okay. People right. need to got comment it, got if, they, it. if they recommend Miss Rachel. Uh, yes. YouTube channel for kids. Uh, do you know Elise Myers? No. Oh, she's very big on TikTok, but she's also, um, I feel like she is the appropriate amount of quirky and awkward to resonate with me because I'm quirky and awkward. And uh, she was just on Miss Rachel. So everybody, if you haven't watched it, we had to watch the new episode drop of Miss Rachel because that's the highlight of Dr. Brayton's life these days. Oh my God. (laughs) When you have a 20 month old. Yeah. It sounds like that. Yeah. I love it. Okay. Well, thank you so much for you're amazing. And I'm excited for people to learn more and, uh, and just really excited to hopefully get better information out to, to women everywhere who frankly really deserve it. So again, from the bottom of my heart, really appreciate you taking the time today, Dr. Brighton. And, uh, you'll probably get a couple questions from people. And for everyone who, who's also wondering, like, you know, what is this? You can go over to um, Dr. Jolene Brighton on Instagram or drbrighton.com and check out some of the amazing, sounds like you've got some really awesome resources there. So thank you again. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode. And in the meantime, follow us on Instagram at WeGoTherePodcast and check out WeGoTherePodcast.com for more info.